0: chapter twenty eight of the glory of the conquered by susan glaspell this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt ferrard chapter twenty eight with broken sword he wished that ernestine would come home he had let ross go at four and it was lonesome there alone in spite of the fact that she was away so much, Ernestine was almost always there, when he wanted her most. That was just one of the wonderful things about Ernestine. Something must have detained her today. He reached over on the table for his copy of Faust. It had become his habit to pick it up when he did not care to sit face to face with his own thoughts. It seemed to hold some word for everything in life. Its universality made it a good friend it was becoming easier to read with his fingers but he had never come into the old joy in reading that there had been in the days when he could see it and it seemed to him that there was an unnecessary clumsiness about the whole thing he had worked out a little idea of his own for which he was going to have a model made he believed it might help some at any rate he had enjoyed working it out if a fellow feels like inventing he simply must invent something whether it amounts to anything or not he had explained to ernestine he did not read consecutively to-night but just a line here and there getting a little of wit a little of philosophy a dash or two of sarcasm an occasional gleam of sentiment he liked to take it that way at times like this it seemed if not one thing then surely another must keep him from the things into which it would be so easy to slip to-night restless activity proves the man several times his fingers went over that and his responsive face told that to his mind it brought a poignant meaning and to his heart an understanding and a sadness he closed the book and sat there thinking he seemed very self-contained quiet poised but the understanding eye would have known that he was thinking deep thoughts facing hard truths once at a horse race he had seen a horse which had just been lamed tied near the track he heard the ringing of the gong heard the music of the other horse's feet heard saw smelled sensed in every way the race that was going on a weakness in one foot could not kill the spirit of a racehorse tied there beside the track watching others struggling for the race he had wondered about that horse then had been sure from the quivering of its nostrils, the pawing of its foot, the passionate trembling of its whole superb body that it suffered. Thinking back to it tonight, he had good reason to know that he had been right that day. It was queer about life, in some ways so incomprehensibly great and superb, and yet so easy to be overthrown. Great purposes seemed very great, but was a thing really great when it was so easily undermined? was there not a dizzying instability about it all he smiled a little as he lighted his pipe he seemed to be doing a great deal of speculating these days what if he too were to be graduated into the bigger field of philosophy but he shook his head still smiling a little if he ever entered the bigger field of philosophy he was sure he would not be carried there in other men's elevators that he would not arrive in the jaunty well groomed state of ross at his sort no if he ever found the bigger field of philosophy it would be after he had scaled slippery crags and forded great rivers after he had pushed his way through brambles and across sharp stones after he had many times lost his footing and had many times stopped to rest believing he could go no farther it was after some such quest that he might perhaps find his way up into the bigger field of philosophy but he would not find ross there ross and his fellows were down in a nice little garden that had been fixed up for them that was it the garden of philosophy a garden made by man in which there were little artificial lakes and shrubberies set out in attractive designs a very nice garden indeed where the sun shone and where it was true pretty flowers would grow but ah one did not feel the wind upon one's face down in that sheltered garden as he believed one would feel it up there on the lonely heights to which one had climbed alone and the garden of philosophy he was smiling at his fancy but it interested him was electric-lighted while up there on the big wide sweep one came very close to the stars what was philosophy anyway with ross it seemed a matter of speaking the vocabulary of philosophers it was so he knew with many men and yet as to the thing itself it was not a mere learning a system of thought acquiring the easy use of a peculiar kind of words it was not fair after all to judge a thing by the people least fitted to understand it perhaps philosophy was conquering life perhaps it was learning to take life in good part making up one's mind to write good textbooks if it seemed certain the writing of textbooks were to be one's part perhaps it was just holding one's place the mere thing of holding one's place seemed the bigger thing now than it once had he wondered he was wondering about many things these days and perhaps he had already scaled a crag or two for he was able sometimes in spite of the deep sadness of his face to smile a little in his wonderings ernestine was her sweetest self when she came in a little later i'm glad you were late he said after her affectionate protestations regarding her shortcomings you haven't been this nice for a long time she threw aside her hat and coat and took her favorite place on the low seat beside him don't you remember liebkin how it was over there in europe after you'd treated me badly you were always so nice that I used to be quite tempted to make you be horrid. I was never horrid to you, she protested. You're never horrid any more, he said, and strangely enough, he said it sadly. Well, do you want me to be? Yes, I wish you'd turn in once in a while and call me an old brute and say you wished you'd never seen me and didn't know how in heaven's name you were going to go on living with me. Carl, she gasped, "'are you going crazy?' "'No, at least I hope not. "'But you're just nice to me all the time, "'because, because I'm blind. "'I don't like it. "'I wish you'd swear at me sometimes.' "'Well, in the first place,' "'laughing, but serious, too, "'it had come so heatedly. "'It isn't my way to swear at anyone. "'I never did swear to you. "'Why should I get now?' oh swear was a figurative language he laughed and of all the things for a man to harrow up his soul about not liking it because his wife is never horrid to him it's not as crazy as it sounds are you and i a couple of plaster saints well hardly then why don't we have any quarrels it's just because you're sorry for me i'll not have you being sorry for me he concluded almost angrily but when she kissed him he could not resist a smile. You don't know how much do quarrel. Don't you know that we don't quarrel about little things because we've had so many big things on hand? We don't swear at each other because... Because we have so many other things to swear at. He finished for her. That's it. All our fighting emotion is being used up. Oh, you're such a genius for making things seem right now looking at it that way i'm quite reconciled to your being nice to me still i want you to promise that if you ever feel like swearing you will i promise she responded solemnly don't do things or not do things because you're sorry for me ernestine we are sorry for people who are unequal to things i'm sorry with you not for you carl ernestine with an affectionate little laugh is there anything you don't understand? You might play a little for me, he said, after a silence. Play that thing that ends in a question. Of Lists? Yes, the one that leaves you wondering. At first she had resented bitterly her not being able to play more satisfyingly, if only music were her work. It seemed an almost malicious touch that fate in taking away Carl's own work had also shut him out from hers resentment at that had made it hard for her to play for him at all at first but she had overcome that and had been able to make music mean much to them both they loved especially the music which seemed to translate for them things within their own hearts but to-night when ernestine had left him pondering a minute the question he said lis always left with him she turned eagerly it seemed to lighter things she played a little nevin it with a lightness gladsomeness he had never felt in her touch before he said nevin helped him to see things that he could see leaves moving on their branches could see the shadows falling on the hillsides where the cattle were grazing as he listened to nevin but it did not bring the pictures to-night it opened up new fears ernestine he said abruptly come here are you ever frightened ernestine he asked her still in that abrupt strange manner frightened about what frightened about having to live all your life with me for a moment she did not answer then her voice quiet with the quiet that would hold back anger carl do you think you are treating me very kindly tonight? saying these strange things i cannot understand but ernestine look here you're young beautiful love-like doesn't it ever occur to you that you're not getting enough fun out of things, Carl? And there was a quivering in the voice now. Do you think I have been thinking lately about getting fun out of things? No, but that's just it. You ought to be thinking about it, Ernestine. Think of it. How are you going to go on forever loving a blind man? For answer, she knelt down beside him, her arms about his neck, her cheek. Against his, yes, I know in that way, but in the old way of the first days, I was so different then. How can you love me now, the way you did then? What do I do now but sit in a chair and try to be patient? Look at a man like Parker, that's life. Ernestine, drawing her close, a sob in his voice, can you? She longed to tell him then it would mean so much to tell him now karl was so troubled to-night but the time was not ripe right yet she must not spoil it all and so instead she talked to him of how real power comprehended more than activity how depth of understanding great things of the soul were more masterful than those outer forces men called life ernestine seldom failed in being convincing when she felt things as she now felt this you always have the right word he said at last you can always get ahead of the little blue devils oh Carl," she murmured very low her heart too full to resist this some day i can show you better what i expect of life of course he mused after a silence you have your work yes replied ernestine and something in her voice puzzled him i have my work he would have been startled could he have seen her face just then for ernestine was so happy to-night she had come away from the hospital with a song in her heart a song of resolution and of triumph she had never foreseen the future so clearly. the time had never seemed so close at hand it had never been this real before just in front of her as she sat there beside karl was the glory of Victus, that statue for which he had cared so little at first but which in these later days she often found him dwelling upon with his hands in lingering touch of appreciation to her the statue had come to hold many meanings she looked at it now with shining eyes Karl had held so tight to the broken sword how splendid then that he should win the fight despite it all and she felt she had never risen so completely to the idea of Karl's greatness as she did to-day what was there in the afternoon had meant so much to her. Was it actually seeing things as they were? Or was it the things doctor Parkman had said to point the way anew? There was to night a new tide of appreciation, a larger understanding, more passionate response to this thought of Carl as greatest of them all. Looking at his face as he sat there in deep thought, she saw the marks of his greatness upon it just as plainly as she saw those other marks of his suffering this man stop work such as he out of the race she remembered the letters they had received when the news of his blindness had gone out she had wept over them many times but it seemed she had never grasped their significance before they were from men of science from doctors from students and from many plain people unknown outside their small communities who wrote to say they were sorry they had seen about him once or twice in the magazines they said or perhaps their own doctor at home had told them of them and they were so interested because their wife or husband or mother had died of cancer and they knew what an awful thing it was it should have been someone whom the world needed less than it needed him these plain people said her eyes filled with a rush of tears this was her carl he with whom all the world grieved she recalled the editorials in the scientific papers telling of the things he had done the things it had been believed by them all he would achieve this was her Karl, this man whose withdrawal from active participation had been told of by great scientists everywhere as a world-wide calamity how quiet and unassuming and simple he had been about it all he whose stepping out had been felt around the world and now some day before long she would come to him with carl i have found a new way of fighting with broken swords take a good grip on the sword a good strong grip and let us turn back to the fight she turned to him with that quick passionateness he loved in her so well i love you she said and though she had said it many times in other days it had never sounded just like that before End of chapter twenty-eight